Hi, and welcome to Whole Heart Transformation. I am Melissa Alguera, your personal identity life coach. Let's go to the podcast. Hey there. Well, last week I was talking about part two of my story around boundaries and lack thereof and just some insight into the benefits of boundaries. And this week I want to take it to a part three of my story, but also around some of the misconceptions that I had around marriage and really how my religious upbringing brought those misconceptions in. And it's really frustrating because when you think about how you're raised, like we believe what we're told. It's not like we, when we're little, we question, you know, what's taught to us and we don't really, we don't know. We're, we're learning, we're, we're gaining knowledge, you know? Um, and we, we're just kind of going with whatever we've been taught and that's become truth and a neural pathway in our brain. Um, and, and we just believe that. So one of the first things I wanted to talk about was the whole, if you've been raised in a Christian church or maybe another religious church where they've said this too, I just, I just want to kind of throw this out here. So the first misconception is around sexuality. And this might be upsetting to some because what I'm going to say you may have done um, or thought, but one of the misconceptions that I felt like I got from the church and messages from the church, not necessarily from, I don't remember my parents ever saying this, but just as a church thing that I learned was um, you need to save yourself for your spouse. Like your sexuality is saved for your spouse and your spouse alone. Your body is for your spouse and your spouse alone. And I think that be, that's because it comes out of the verse where it says that the body is for the husband, the, the wife's body is for the husband, and the, the husband's body is for the wife, okay? And I actually found this to be incredibly damaging after betrayal because a lot of, you guys, a lot of my pain stemmed from the expectations that I was given in my religious community. And I want to say, I believe that it was all meant for good and well, the teaching, because I think that the mentality is, is if I teach this, if we teach this, then people will learn it and then people will act out of that. But the problem is there's so many things that are at force that are unseen. Um, generational curses, spiritual curses, um, family trauma, things that happen to you as a child that you can't live out those actual um, belief systems, you know, and then we feel shame because we can't live them out. And so there's so many things at play that happen before you can even enter a marriage in this manner. And so I know that for me, I wasn't a virgin when I got married and 
but I was faithful to my husband and I did do the respect thing. And I did do all the things that I thought were right. You know, what wasn't perfect, of course not, absolutely not. I have my own issues. However, I think that one of the really brutal beliefs that I had was that, okay, like right before um, I met my husband, I had, you know, been like really working hard on staying pure and not like sleeping around and, you know, was only with my husband up until, you know, like many, many years and then only with him after that. And so I was really confused by what was happening because I was like, okay, like I'm not withholding sex. Um, I'm maintaining, you know, my, my fitness to the best I could with having kids and what happens to your body after you have kids. And I never, I never was, you know, feeling like that really made a difference. And so there's, and there's this thing, it's like this misconception of once you put the ring on and take the vow, that that's the magic thing that's going to keep you together, which is so weird because there's really nobody in our society that has really been like that. I mean, yes, some people don't get divorces or whatever, but there's affairs that happen all the time. And there's a lot of things that transpire that are not by the book. I don't think anybody goes by the book. You know, and even if you did, it's like so painful. If you were someone who saved yourself for your marriage and then you find out that your husband's had multiple affairs or maybe he was also a virgin and then had multiple affairs and then, but you were faithful the entire time. I mean, it is a huge rupture in our belief system, number one, and then also how it affects the relationship after that if you choose to stay or it affects how you view relationships even after the fact if you are not with the same person so number one i'm saying the first misconception is that your body is like made for your husband and i and i have told my daughter your body like is beautiful and it's amazing and it has so many like intricate inner workings that you don't know about. And it was made for you. First and foremost, made for you. Made for God. These are the things that our body is made for. It's not that it was created for a man, like you weren't born or a woman, like you weren't born for that purpose, to have your body you know, for sex. I mean, yes, obviously that is something that is a part of our human nature. But what I'm trying to say on a deeper level is that, you know, if that is how we are going to tell people that that their body was created for, is that it was made for another person, and then they wait their whole entire life and find this person that they think is their person, and then that person cheats on them, or leaves them, then what are they left with? Because I thought that we were made to, to save our body for our spouse. Is this making any sense? I know I ask that question a lot, but it's, it is devastating. 
when your spouse is not faithful or looks at pornography or leaves you and this is the thing that you are taught about your body or if you are the person betraying and this is what you were taught and then you betray i can only imagine what you might feel after that the shame of violating that belief system and then repeating the same behavior because you know you have a problem it, it it's devastating to both people who are taught this so i i want to take it from a different perspective now like if your body was created for you and and that's beautiful and and your body was is supposed to be honored because of you and you're not looking for another person to honor your body then you can put boundaries around your body you can say okay well uh i don't like how you're affecting me and i need to put some boundaries whether that's physical or emotional boundaries is when you've been taught that your body is for you and god because God is really the only one who doesn't bring those violations, then you, you can actually trust that more than you can trust another human being with your body and the responsibility of that, of another person. Okay, second thing, um, divorce. So a lot of people look at the verse that talks about how God hates divorce. And I'm just gonna be quoting something that I heard recently, and this makes so much sense to me because we live off of this verse to justify not getting divorced, okay? Do I believe God hates divorce? Of course. Why does he hate it? Because he knows it destroys people and families. He knows that it's a tearing apart. He knows that it's devastating. So let's get that straight. The reason why he hates it is not for condemnation. It's that he knows the ripple effect. But the reason why he was saying it in that verse has to do with the culture of that time. At that time, women were not the workers of the house. Women were reliant upon the men to take care of them. And men that were not divorcing their wife, but, or giving them, you know, a certificate of divorce, were leaving the woman to be stuck with nothing. It was treacherous. Whether or not maybe she had committed adultery or he did, the, the way that that culture was going was women were seen as nothing but a mere you know, object with those types of cultural interactions. Instead of being honored, giving her, honoring her by giving her a certificate, certificate of divorce, where it says that you have dealt treacherously with the wife of your youth. Absolutely. To leave a woman to raise the children and have nothing left for her 
to be able to provide for her and her kids or give her a certificate of divorce so she can remarry um, and then have that support at that point. Because remember, the, the times are different than what we're in right now. So if, if he didn't give her a certificate of divorce, she could not move on. And I think that a lot of people look at this and they, they go, okay, well, I need to hold on to the person I'm with because of that. And I'm here to release you from that. Now, once again, I'm not saying divorce is the way. Like you have to work that out with God yourself. But if you have beliefs that are under a veil of deception, then you will stay in an abusive marriage because of that verse, right? There are cultural things that we don't have any idea about that the Bible talks about. And for us to take them and not dig into them very deeply in order to understand, we will be under some sort of deception. Now, if you are a person who right now is being dealt with treacherously by your husband and i'm saying husband because you know it's just a part of that you know scripture but treacherously where you've been a stay-at-home wife and mom and you are stuck financially it is completely unfair and unjust to leave you with nothing and that's why there's been court situations that have been involved Unfortunately, where, where we live in California, they're not in favor of the spouse that has been abused or had the injustice to. It's 50-50. It's That's how they see it. And so, you know, for us in our state, a lot of the people that are struggling right now, they have to think really hard how they're going to do this. And it's, it's a trauma that really is horrible for a wife who's been taking care of children and the home and doesn't have an income. It's a horrible decision to have to make. But often people that are in a state of deception when they are betraying their spouse, they are not seeing the side effects that it's causing other people because they're so in their own world. And usually it's very late before they come to their senses. Sometimes people can come to their senses before that. Okay, so that's number two. Um, so the third one I wanna talk about is love and respect. Okay, the, of course, love and respect are so important in a marriage. And I think that this one has been used against our spouses. Like, you're supposed to respect me. This is what you're supposed to be doing for me. And then um, the wife feeling like, you're supposed to love me and wash me with the word. And you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. I remember after going through the betrayal and like, finding everything out that my husband had done. And this, I had been like this, like, I was like, you're not washing me with the word, like you're leaving the enemy 
um, access to us and, and just being and upset at like the spiritual place that we were at and that he wasn't doing what I thought he should do. And I don't know you guys, but after going through that, I was like, I don't care about that anymore. Like I'm over here and I need to take care of me. And I need to make sure I am doing what I need to do spiritually to keep myself healthy. I need to do what I need to do to keep myself protected from the enemy because he wasn't able to be that person. And the expectation, once I dropped that expectation, things got a lot lighter for me. I wasn't, I wasn't angry at him anymore. I wasn't trying to push him to be something anymore. I wasn't trying to make him be what I thought he should be or what like the Bible said he should be. And really a lot of that is control. Like I was trying to control this and I hear this a lot from wives. He should be praying for me. He should be washing me with the word. He should be doing this. He should be doing that. But you know what? If he's not doing that, he is the one who is accountable. Like his own blessings are being stifled. This is true. I have watched this. When you are not doing your portion of how you're created, this is this just goes back to what I was talking about before with how we're created. And if we don't walk in that calling or that divine nature, we will be missing pieces and missing blessings. And it's not because God himself is withholding them. It's just that if you're not operating in those things, they are things that you don't get blessed for. It's like having a key to a house and you know the key opens this particular house. I mean, it's it's clear in scripture. Okay, the key is the scripture, right? And this is how you unlock the door. And, um, and this is where the house is located. And this will be what blessings come with that. And if the person so chooses not to operate with that key and that manual to open the door and walk in the house and receive all that blessing, that is their choice. Does it affect you if this is you who is not getting that type of, you know, washing with the word and, and the husband being spiritually, you know, at your level or whatever? Yes, it affects you. It does. There are ripple effects to it. Everybody does suffer, but... The point I'm trying to make is, is that you end up suffering more as you're trying to enforce, force, and make somebody be something that they are not either capable, willing, or knowing how to do. It is truth that this is what scripture says, but the person may not really get it. You know, there is a reason why Jesus showed people having to have their eyes uncovered from 
spiritual blindness. Paul was one of them. Saul, you know, Saul before Paul. <laughs> when he was Saul, he was spiritually blind. And then he had to, you know, have a spiritual awakening. And without that blinder being taken off, it's really nearly impossible for the person to to do that. They have to go through a process in order to unveil that spiritual blindness. But as the wife, it's not your responsibility. And the fourth thing is, so like unconditional love and respect. That we should turn the other cheek to abuse, that we should just give them our tunic, right? Like this is, this thought process is happening in marriages and people are being severely abused and taken advantage of because this is what they feel is right. But it is not right. And here's why. I rarely, without an intervention from God, have seen someone turn around by those things, a spouse turn from those things. It takes a miracle for somebody who has really stuck unhealthy belief systems. It doesn't matter if it's as bad as what my husband had or maybe just how they view the world and have other unhealthy coping mechanisms. Everybody has unhealthy coping mechanisms. I don't care who you are. You could be Gandhi. You have unhealthy coping mechanisms. <laughs> just saying it. So without some sort of awakening for themselves, sometimes these people have to hit a horrible bottom. Sometimes they have to lose their family. Sometimes they have to lose a job. Sometimes they have to go through repeated mountain going arounds. Sometimes they have to keep going around the same mountain until it gets harder and harder and harder. And there's more pain and more pain and more pain until that person is like, oh, now I get it. It is not our job to awaken anyone. The only job that we have is to get ourselves in place. And those that come to us that want help, we extend our hand to. Yes, we can try and help people, our spouse. But what I have found is that we become more bitter when we keep repeating the same thing over and over and over and we're not holding a new boundary and they're not changing. They're staying the same. We're stuck. And this is really hard because marriage is complex. It's way more complex than just Oh, I love you so much. And because the love is strong or we really enjoy our time together or 
we have, you know, beautiful children, whatever, whatever your reason is. Okay. There are things that we came in with that have to be worked out together and separately. And if the other person is not willing to work that out with you, you cannot force them. You are like the peanuts teacher. Want, want, want. You are not being heard. It's like kicking against a boulder and you're trying to get it to move. And that thing is, you know, 5,000 pounds and you are 120. You're not going to be able to make it move. And it's not your responsibility. And I'm saying this from a place of where I told you my story that I felt led to pray for my husband. But I had some deception in there too, because I thought it was my job to make him see the light. It wasn't my job to make him see the light. It was my job to have confidence and hold my boundaries and dish out the consequences if those boundaries were violated. That was my job. Now it took me 13 years to get there. Y'all like that was, that's horrible. And there are repercussions for that for me because I'm having to look at my life and say, whoa, there are so many things that I believed. I don't know what number we're on, but here's the next one. <laughs> that uh, there's the scripture that talks about being saving, you know, not burning with passion and getting married if you if you are burning with passion. And so that way you don't have sex, okay? I know I'm not quoting these properly, but you can go look it up yourself if you want. What I'm trying to say about this one is, is if you are getting married to have sex, that's a huge problem. Because let me tell you something. If sex is the reason for getting married, and then you have sex and you don't know what the purpose of sex is and you don't understand how sex is created for connection and a, that's how you actually know someone it's not by just a physical act it's by connection and really being known then it will get boring and it will wear off the desire for it and then that's why people end up looking outside of their marriages often because they want that same passion that they had before they got married and that desire before they got married because they couldn't control themselves and they needed to be able just to get married so they could have sex. What a crappy way to get married. <laughs> a crappy reason to get married for. And yet we do this because we have this burning with passion thing. No, friend. You need before you get married, to deal with that passion with healthy people, yourself and God, and talk about that. Not using marriage as your solution to the passion burning down. This might be new to you. This is hard to hear. Because I, I have heard 
So many others talk about this and then even myself in the past, thinking that all of these things would just line up, the stars would align, and it would be all beautiful and rosy colored after this because yes, like that's what I was taught. And then what happens when none of these things that I've mentioned today are actually fulfilled in your marriage and then your marriage crumbles and falls? What do you think that does to your identity and how you view God? It's so destructive. It doesn't help you know who you are anymore or figure out why you believed what you believed or why you are believing what you're believing right now. Our solution is not a spouse, you guys. Our solution is health for ourselves in relationship with God, ourselves, and others. I I read something the other day and it was so amazing. And this is this is biblical. So if a person does not has not experienced receiving love first as a child, they will not be able to give out love because they didn't get it. And that's why the Bible says, love God because he loved you first. It was based on him loving you first, not based on you doing it first. And when we are looking to receive love from people and they can't give it, it is the hardest experience and wake up call. And I'm going to end on that note today. Thanks for listening. If you have found today's podcast helpful, please like, subscribe, and share. If you are interested in coaching with me, go to www.identitylife.coach. And you can also find me on Instagram, identity.life.coach.